this episode with Howard Linson went live on February 9th. Enjoy. What's up? Hey, not much. How you doing? Good. We are going today change it up again. All right. We're going to do origin stories with uh, 10 or 20 people over the next year, the companies I loved and products I used in Web 2 that mostly had good exits. Uh, There'll be a few that, like, we learned from. But Web 2, as I talked about at our, our 2023 show, like what's going to happen in 2023, the one thing I'm pretty sure about uh, and even if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. I'm just, I've moved on, is that Web 2, what we called Web 2, that era that started with YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and um, had Amazon Web Services and had um, Uber and had uh, the App Store and smartphone, is over. And maybe that was cheap money, blah, blah, blah. And this new era is fun for me because we're all, I've got a bunch of ideas to start companies. And what I learned about starting my previous companies, Wall Strip and Stocktwits, which is still around, is what I would do differently, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's important. Right. Because um, you're a marketing guy. And back in Web 2, we didn't talk about that. We were like, right. okay, the McDonald's colors are this. Uh, so it can't hurt us to use those colors. Actually, that's what I right. thought about Stocktwits. So anyways, these are all the things that I think people would like to see. One big thing I think about Web3 and we talked about, or this next generation of Web, is the art of going slower. Um, Web2 is very much about going fast. Web3 will be much more about, why am I doing this? Because it's not as obvious. Web2 seemed much more obvious at the time. We had a long bear market. We had nothing happening in tech between 2001 and 2005. Then boom, 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 boom. And... Then you had the great financial crisis, which I'm going to talk about today because that's when we started, uh, just after we had started Stock Twits. So I'm going to do these founder origin stories. People love the Wall Strip one. And so I figured I remember the Stock Twits one. I haven't hit the age. You were involved. Phil Perlman was involved. We have Riley in the studios working for us on content. He worked at Stock Twits. So he's decided to like drill down on some of the questions. He's in the studio today with us. Riley, is the mic working? I think the mic's working. <laughs> we got a little bit of a boom oh, mic today. swiveling. So I'm going to just pass it off to Riley. Is that okay, Canute? Absolutely. So Riley moved to Phoenix. He ran Stocktwits Community and the newsletter for a long time. We'll get into his story another time because we want to do the origin story today. But Riley loves the markets, worked for JC, was an ASU student, and uh, happens to be here helping us around the pod and video and growth part-time because he's pursuing a golf career. And I said, come on in, let's do the origin story of Stocktwits. And he may not even know it. So, and, and because Stocktwits is growing and still around and Rishi's CEO and there's, I don't know, over 50 people, um, let's talk about the good, the bad, the ugly of starting a company in 2007, right before the great financial crisis. So does that sound good, Knut? Yes, it does. So, uh, Riley, hello. Hi, Howard. Um, you don't really know much about the origin story. When did you start? I started at Stocktwits in 2018, 2019. Oh, so late. So it was pretty late. And you were two, three years? About two. Yeah, about yeah. two years. And then t- you work with Tommy. Because you've had you've been on the podcast with yeah, Tommy. Yeah, worked with Tommy. We panicked in uh, March of 2020. And how'd we do? What were we talking about? Do you remember? 
Uh, I mean, we I was just busting. That was that was meme stock madness. Like yeah. that was in the heat of it all. Was it March? Meme was already in March. It's it might have March been a later. April. Maybe yeah, a little it was probably April. April. So meme madness. Stock was, you know, we went from a, a moment of fear to um, a moment of hilarity. So in 2007, when I started Stock Twits, they, with the great financial crisis was brewing. There were much like 2021, you know, with the with the bubble brewing and zero interest rates. 2007, there was this real estate phenomenon, and the web to its start, you had YouTube 2006. I started Wall Street, sell it to CBS. I'm working at CBS. I'm like the Clarence Beaks of CBS. Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing, Canute. <laughs> and they're paying me. The checks are coming, but I'm really, it's a two-year, I have a two-year agreement at CBS. I live in Phoenix. No one knows, no one cares about Wall Street at CBS. They're paying me, and somehow I was, like, stressed out. I was like, what? You know, I couldn't accept that they were paying me and to do nothing except my show. And so I decided, Mike Marquez is a very good friend of mine still today, and he was the head of acquisitions at CBS that bought Wall Street. I said, Mike, what would it take? You don't want to pay me. I don't think anybody there at Wall Street, at CBS will care. And I'm going to give you an idea. I will give up my 20K salary a month. So it's six months left. I'll give up 120K. Just let me go back and do whatever the hell I want. And he was like, only an idiot would just not wait six more months because that's how he talks to me even today, much like my wife. And that's how she opens <laughs> up most discussions. Only an idiot would ask for that. So Michael's only an idiot would do that, but let me ask. And they released me from my six months contract because I was down this rabbit hole of Twitter. And so, I don't know, one of the first thousand users, you know, it was Odeo at the time. Do you remember? You don't remember any of that because you're only how old now? Uh, In 2007, I was 11. Yes, you were 11. So you were just, you had your hands down your pants, let's say, and watching uh, cartoons. I knew there was, there wasn't even YouTube yet. You were like, what were you watching? Like Disney? Oh, no, definitely YouTube. Okay, so right, YouTube had come out. Early YouTube, though. Early YouTube. I mean, it it took five minutes to load a video. Okay, it took five minutes to load a video. And so I was in that world and I was like, Twitter comes out and it was the opposite of YouTube. And so my idea on YouTube was to create a show, which was a dumb idea. Well, I'm going to create CNBC on YouTube. Then Twitter came out and I was saying, this is Bloomberg. So I'm going to create, like Twitter's going to be the Bloomberg of this. Or as YouTube, I could create CNBC. On Twitter, I could create Bloomberg. So it was like no brainer. I got to get out of this contract with CBS. So I give up 120 grand of which Mike Marquez says you're an idiot. And my wife, when I told her, you're giving up, I'm giving up 120 free grand, uh, you're an idiot. And now am I going to do that? I'm going to start a new company with my own money. And I don't know how to code. And I figured we would build something on Twitter. And that's how we started StockTwits. Now we had to come up with a name. I had already hired a couple guys, and they were very good production guys. And they took it seriously. So they wanted to come up with the right name, Canute. And we had like this great opening and the, and the colors were important to them and the logo. And I was like, it was fun because it was like my, there was no rush. Web 2 hadn't fully started. No one was producing anything, right? It was cat videos. Um, so the idea that we were taking our time and building a brand, even though we had no product, was cool. I now was the opposite. I was like, everybody just, just start. What could I buy for $6? And that's where, you know, StockTwits came out. It's Twitter for stocks. 
and it was a play on the word. No one ever really cared. It was a play on the word twits. Twits. Does that mean anything you can do? <laughs> no, not really. Twits is like a British word. Like a nintwit. Yeah, it's like a putz, an uh, idiot. Oh, okay. And so my play was, you know, stock twits. It's idiots talking about stocks. But it was more a play on the institutions that were idiots, right? It was just a, a name that cost $6 that people interpreted that it was just it was copying Twitter, which we weren't. Anyway, so I don't know how to build. And I write a blog post in 2007 that Twitter is going to disrupt Bloomberg. I'm looking for someone to build, you know, into the Twitter API. And Soren Macbeth, who was like, I don't know, read my blog at the time, was a hacker in, uh, I forget where he lived in the, up in... San Fran, I think. Yeah, south of San Fran. And he emailed, he emailed me back and said, I'll build it for you. And it started as a Tumblr. We were just building, I don't even understand how it worked, but while he was building on the Twitter API, getting his friend Chris Corvo that he was working with, to build Twitter for stocks and plug it into the Twitter API. It started out as a Tumblr. And I went out and raised money. You know, I had to go raise money. And um, I think at the time we raised $60,000. This is how different the times were. <laughs> at a 600000 valuation. So in my mind, I thought we could start this company with $60,000. Uh, and today you can't go to a Suns game with $60,000. So it's like a little different era, a little bit different dilution for you founders out there thinking you're getting ripped off. Um, imagine starting your Web2 company, knowing what we know now with $60,000. Bad idea. So the first thing is, that was a bad idea. Because, as we know, you need tons of engineers to go compete in a Web2 world. And, you know, at the end of Web2, you saw the valuations, you know. Silly. Silly or not, the amount that founders were getting at a 20 million, you know, if I had started stock twits and knew what I knew, I would have raised like one on 10. Mm -hmm. But back then it was just, I want to get my company off the ground. I'm not going to do anything spectacular. It's just going to tie into Twitter's API. And every single person in New York that was in startups was fascinated by Twitter, whether it was like, you know, there were so many, TweetDeck, Bitly, and, and, and there was this company, Betaworks, which was John Borthwick and Andy Weissman, and they were investing in, and their whole thesis was, we're going to set a holding company up to invest. And I got introduced to John and Andy while I was raising uh, my money, and when I met them and they said, why don't you pitch me and we'll pitch you, they pitched me on Betaworks. I said, here's a quarter million dollars. I love what you're doing. They're building like a holding company built around Twitter and real-time web. And when I told them what I was doing, and they said, well, here's 30 grand of your 60 grand. We'll just swap equity. So they became investors, and I became investors in Betaworks. And that was kind of the cent Betaworks was really the center of real-time investing, like that whole group. They invested with me in Bitly and TweetDeck and tons of other. They did Tumblr and uh, there's so many. Uh, Giphy um, and... That's what the world was like. And they were all really these cool apps. They had a, an office in Meatpacking District, and that's where they would launch companies. I was living in Coronado at the time, or Phoenix. No, we had an office in Phoenix. So it's still 2007. Mm -hmm. Go raise the 60 grand. Roger Ehrenberg, um, a few friends. And quickly, we're out of money. We build this product, and we have to decide to raise more money. And so I think we go out and raise uh, about a million dollars from uh, True Ventures. 
and, and a few other people, Roger Ehrenberg and a few friends. And now we go build our first version of Stocktwits. And I think, Knut, you were there in our Phoenix office. Yeah, I was. When we came up with the name and the colors, we and Rob Siegel, we were, we were just like, I know nothing about brand building. None of us do even today. But today, maybe we would really think about it a little more. Maybe, and it was yeah. just like, you know, I remember Rob calling me, listen, you can't go wrong with McDonald's colors. You know, yellow. What are, what are those colors? So that's what Stocktwit started as, those colors. Yellow right. and red. Yep. Yellow and red. is really Red is not a good color for market. But I'm saying these are how we were making decisions in 2007, right? Everybody was down the real estate. In the world, everybody was down the real estate rabbit hole. In the New York scene, in the Silicon Valley scene, everybody was down this AWS. You could build very fast at API-driven growth. And at the time, there were like 100 YouTubes. And so there was just so much activity to just get shit going because you could just build on top. And at the time, I remember Fred Wilson, who was not an investor in Stocktus, but kind of was advising me. He warned me. He said, if you build on top, don't be somebody's bitch. It's a famous line by Fred Wilson. It still applies today that if you're building on top of somebody in the web, someone's going to rug pull you eventually. And we've seen this over and over and over again over the 15 years of Web 2, that if you were reliant on Twitter or Facebook or any of these platforms, and we're seeing it even today with Twitter, with kicking people off, um, you were not in control of your own destiny. And we still haven't hit great financial crisis. So that is kind of the, the getting it off the ground part. Did the housing, I mean, did you see the housing bubble looming? And were you like, I need to pivot my focus to the web? Or did that have any sort of driving factor as to making that decision? No, the driving factor was that uh, I was having fun. You know, I sold my company to CBS, so I had a little bit of money. What was a driving factor was I lost a lot. I thought what would happen, because I was in Phoenix, I thought I would be very smart as someone who understood investing and take my safe money, which was my Wall Street money that I made and put it in real estate. So, mm. so really screwed me up because I thought I was being smart and I was taking my money and, and buying real estate here in Phoenix, not buying, but lending. And so it really got me in trouble because I didn't really know what I was doing in that. I just assumed earning eight to 10% a year while I'm building a company seemed like the smart thing to do. Yeah. So even though we kind of knew there was a real estate bubble going on, it just seemed like, oh, investing in just straight mortgages couldn't be that risky. And uh, well, yeah, it was. We were always told, you know, you can never go wrong putting money in yeah. real estate. It's the most wrong I think I've still ever been. Forgetting crypto today, like taking what you think is your family nest egg and pissing it away it, with friends too. Like it, was, it wasn't like some stranger I was giving money to. Um, really put a lot of pressure on me. So I thought I was doing the right thing wrong. So I had to now rely on this, this new company. And what's interesting is the company started out as me, not CEO, because I didn't want to start another company. I was like, had this idea, pitched it. Uh, Soren was going to be the CEO. Um, and I think the venture capitalists were like, we're not investing. We don't know Soren. Like, you can't just, like, it, when we came to sign the $1 million deal with True Ventures and they looked at it, they said, I don't understand what the hell you're talking about. We're investing in you to start a company.
So I came back to the company. I think we split it 50-50. Mistake on my part. Like, if you're going to be the CEO and start the company, like, like I just didn't know what I didn't know. And so we split. Soren and I split the company 50-50. I'm going to be CEO. Uh, we've got an orange and yellow website. Um, and the investors are giving me money. And Fred Wilson had said, don't be somebody's bitch. So basically, we're doing everything wrong. <laughs> oh, and all my safe money is in real estate. So I don't know. Like it's a miracle that we're here doing a podcast for four people, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, these are the honest stories of it. And it created a lot of stress because Soren had never started a company. He definitely knew how to hack and code. We built a, and he brought Chris on and we had like a great little core team to build a web app. There's no mobile phone. So we built an API into Twitter and I remember blackberrying Fred Wilson because I love Twitter. I mean, I don't know if your was your first interaction because you like stocks with, with Twitter. Did you like it the first time you saw it? You know, I think I got on Twitter in 2012 and like played around with it for a little bit. But you I was didn't still, get it. I was still so young where I was like, this is just social media. It's social media. It took, for me, me, it took it me a while to like realize, ooh, I can connect with real people. Yeah. So for in me. Magical ways. For me, LinkedIn didn't make sense to me because I wasn't into like having a job or in the recruiting market. Facebook didn't make sense to me. It still was mostly students. Um, I'm trying to think. YouTube, obviously, I, I built a show on. And so when Twitter came out, it was like, oh, my God, that is how people are going to talk about stocks. And I remember talking with Chris and Soren, and the hashtag became very popular. And I said, we have to come up with a way to separate all the chatter that happens around stocks so that people can at least contextually know that they're that we're not saying i went to the market and bought a green apple or versus i went to the apple store and it's on fire right there's a huge those are basically the the aha moment for me was could we figure out like the hashtags with a way to talk on twitter but that separate the chat the contextual tag and and that's when the you know if it's chris or me or the three of us we came up with this way to do a dollar sign. They had never traded stocks. So I said, what if we did dollar sign G-O-O-G? Would that be able to be parsed later? And we did it. I sent my very first dollar sign. RIM was the company at the time. Today's company is Tesla. Uh, at the time, BlackBerry was not B-B-R-Y. It was RIM. They mm -hmm. were the hot company. That's where Twitter, Twitter started on BlackBerry. There was no App Store. There was no iPhone. There was BlackBerry. And there was no web, really. BlackBerry wasn't really the web. Um, so I remember sending Fred a, a BlackBerry message saying, I love dollar sign rim. And, and Fred sent me back a message. Blackberries were our version of WhatsApp. It was the version where if you sent it, it came right back. It was just like, how fast could you send it? It was a great product. And Fred goes, this is genius, which was both uh, an amazing thing to hear, but a trap. Right? When someone tells you something's genius, he didn't give me context that genius, go put your whole life into this and, and don't look back. He just thought it was clever and genius. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard. Double-edged sword. Double-edged sword, correct. My first double-edged sword. So I go to the team and now we start tweeting out tickers all the time. And I think that's when people started to get it. And Twitter, of course, loved this because now there was someone else using it in a different way. So we went deeper down that Twitter rabbit hole. And so StockTits was born. Uh, I think a huge mistake on colors, because stocks were thought of as black. If you think about Bloomberg, I just didn't want to use Bloomberg colors. 
and I didn't want to use Yahoo Finance colors, uh, so I chose McDonald's, and we supersized ourselves. And uh, <laughs> so, Rob, if you're listening, and you are occasionally, um, not a good decision for us. But good advice, you don't go wrong with McDonald's colors, just not applied to what we do. So we didn't spend any time, because Soren was an engineer, Chris Corvo was an engineer, and I was just a, a, a nincompoop who wanted to start another web company. And my investors were, as we learn later, are people that just were excited by my passion around this space. They understood what Twitter was, and that's what VCs do. They said, like, like, I like this idea, run with it. So I was alone making these all these decisions. And I think, you know, those are the things that I think when we give people money today or we invest in people, they, people don't forget, like, we wire this money, and then these people are alone making all these decisions. You see it every day in your job whether it's a TPC or here, like we give you some direction and you're making decisions. Mm -hmm. And so that was an era in time where money was really flowing. We were all making mistakes because we were building on someone else's back. You know, it's like the scorpion. Come on the platform. It's good. The water tastes great. The wine is flowing. And we hadn't thought through what was going to happen when they shut you down. Anyway, so things are good. TweetDeck comes out. Bitly comes out, all these things to help you like stuff things into, and TweetTech was one of the greatest things that I had ever seen in my life. So I immediately remember cold calling, Ian was his name, he's an English guy, and TweetDeck, and I just sent him a term sheet over, I said, Twitter and TweetDeck is Bloomberg. And I kept trying to talk to both Jack and Ev and to Ian, and I said, guys, you don't understand what you're sitting on. If people are talking about stocks on tweet deck and you could see 20 columns and you could throw a chart in there you've just built bloomberg and they don't even know i have a question for you uh -huh. at this time how many floor traders were there still i don't know but no one serious was using there was no fin twit it was just me right. and a bunch of knuckleheads talking about stocks trying to just prove out that this was real time Right on our BlackBerry. Yeah, because right? what I'm what I'm hearing and like what I'm envisioning when you're talking about TweetDeck and stuff is like you go to the floor of the CBOE and you're like, oh, these are all the different pits for all the different products. Yeah, well, you could have a column in TweetDeck for each ticker, or yeah. you know, so it was a way to parse and see more than one stream at a time. Yeah. So I was like, as a person who knew what Bloomberg was, I'm like, imagine getting topics of news in real time. So it was fantastic. Right. We, and company not trying to disrupt Bloomberg or 10 companies not trying to disrupt Bloomberg had disrupted. They just weren't working together. So I was just writing checks into all these things because I couldn't build anything. I'm like, here's 25K to TweetDeck. I would send it, Roger. A group of us would just, and Betaworks, we would just keep writing checks into these real-time companies. Surmise came out, which was the first Twitter search, which made Twitter searchable. Twitter ended up buying them, but we all invested in Surmise. Um, and then Bitly, which allowed you to shorten links and attach more information to that. They came out and we all funded. And what happened was Twitter was the true benefactor of all this, from stock tweets to the hashtag to surmise to co-tweet. Their traffic exploded. And we were all left trying to figure out how do we benefit? How do we pull people back to our brands? And that's when the real fighting began. Uh, I don't know if we'll get into that here, but this, the origin story is BlackBerry-based world. Web 2 was just starting, and things were getting rebuilt 
not for the purpose of disrupting the incumbents. They were just getting put together because Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube were scaling so fast. And so many engineers were focused on scaling these products for them. And AWS existed, so you didn't have to buy storage. You could mm-hmm. just offload that. So Stocktwits could offload all this growth of people tweeting to that. This is before the great financial crisis. So, so once we raised a million dollars, we had enough money to hire a few people. We had enough money to really start thinking about TweetDeck and what we should do. Maybe not enough money. And it was, you know, becoming kind of a company. And I was now doing it full time as the CEO. I had left uh, CBS. And now we really had to think through strategically. And I remember, Canute, we were thinking about video. We were thinking about what will it be like if Twitter doesn't want to create Bloomberg? Is StockTwits going to create Bloomberg? And I didn't have the skills to do that, but it was like laying there. And Bloomberg wasn't willing to take meetings, they didn't care about Twitter. So we were still ahead of the time where Twitter hadn't rung enough high up at the alarm bells inside Bloomberg where they were worried about it. It was more like no one was using Twitter and we were these early bird million, you know, half a million, first million users that were just talking about things. And it wasn't really about stocks until we came on. It was just talking, I said, what am I having for lunch? Uh, We'll have an event here. And so we really had to spend a lot of time you know, faking it till you make it, just talking about stocks amongst 100, 200 of ourselves on StockTwits, pushing those messages into Twitter and trying to figure out how to work with Twitter to like build a business. Mm -hmm. And that is really what Web2 was about. And the most important part of Web2 came next, where we had to decide as a company, hey, do we just shut it down? We can't build a business on Twitter's back. Or do we raise more money and build StockTwits independent? It's like the Seinfeld episode with uh, Costanza Doyle. Independent Jerry, which is, I don't know, if we keep building on Twitter, eventually they're just going to change the rules on us and we don't really control anything. Or do we, you know, go to the engineers and say, what if we built our own Twitter? It was built on Ruby on Rails at the time. Uh, and again, I'm not an engineer, but my engineers, Chris and Soren, came back and said, it's easy. We'll just build it on Ruby on Rails ourselves and went to the investors. And this is when we all had to decide, do we raise more money and do this? And, you know, luck or not luck as would have it, everybody was excited by the idea. So we raised another maybe three or four million dollars to, to put our heads down and start building stock to it as it exists today. When did you guys start building it? Probably 2008. Okay. And what was fun about that was there was this in-between time where we're building, you still can use stock to and send messages to Twitter, but yeah. now the great financial crisis is happening. Right. Right. Like now the world's coming Panic in it. full effect. Yeah. It wasn't that the, pa- it was something I had never seen before. Right. Because the market would just go down every day. Right. And FinTwit hadn't yet become a thing. So there were tickers like FAS, which was like a triple leveraged oh my short the bank index. So that was Tesla of 2008. And, and people would go, we're going to the FAS. The market would be up and half of the people on stock was like upside trader and, and Todd Stottlemyre was a pitcher for the Blue Jays. We were all, 
and we would go get me to the Phasmobile. Like that would trend. Uh, that was a trending ticker at the time. Was the wor- anytime the market was going, there was a group of smart traders that would short the market by shorting the banks. And it was this stock went, even though it was leveraged and the wrong stock to kind of own. So it's the equivalent of XIV or equivalent of like the natural yeah. gas one. This thing went from like a dollar to like five hundred dollars. Oh my goodness! And and it was really good traders understanding that part, but it was really the the ticker of the era. Yeah, because you would wake up every day and American Express would be down ten percent, Capital One, oh my Goldman goodness. Sachs was going broke, Lehman went under, Bear Stearns. This was all happening, and this really was the juice for stock twists. Yeah. Even though there was very few Twitter, I'm trying to like. Today, like what happened last year with crypto and everything, and Reddit, and obviously StockTwits being much bigger, you guys experienced the crash or, or this bear market with everybody on Twitter. We had the president tweeting. We have all the politicians tweeting. But in 2008, it was CNBC still. It was still the world was watching the banks implode on CNBC. We were talking about it and trying to be discovered yeah. in 2008. We were trying to bring the conversation into StockTwits and Twitter. We were trying to say, you guys don't get this. One day the president is going to move the markets. But it was still CNBC. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought CNBC would be disrupted by YouTube. Here we are two hours later and CNBC is where all the drama is happening. You know, where the, they're deciding if they're going to bail out banks. It would just be the same people and they had the same microphone. But it really helped us grow because we were talking about it and acting as if. Mm-hmm. We felt in the know there was a group of five to 10,000 of us now that really had a community. And that's really the origin story. One of the things to learn about Web2 was Profits be damned. Like, if we really look back at the early days of all these things, nobody. And I think it was for good reason. Um, you know, rates weren't yet zero. But luckily, there was an environment this that didn't care about revenue. Forgetting profits, at this time, no one cared about revenue. Because if Twitter didn't care about revenue and YouTube didn't care about revenue. Yeah. Why am I, as a derivative of these, going to be cared about revenue? Yeah. So VCs weren't asking that next question. First, they should have been asking the question, can you code? They didn't ask that question. (laughs) (laughs) This is what, listen, this is, now we see Web3 VCs today making the same mistakes. Why are you even, why are you allowed to invest? You have no skill. But in Web2, really talented people, like my investors, true ventures and founders, some of the best investors in the world and some of the best returns, were smart enough not to ask those questions, let's say, even though we would consider them dumb in post-crash type of lingo. Yeah. They were geniuses yeah. for not asking that question because I couldn't answer it. Like I wouldn't have given them a financial statement saying StockTwits will do 100K in revenue next year. I'm like, guys, I don't even know how to build this thing. <laughs> so because the internet was exploding, it gave ground coverage to all this which is a lot of lessons that we need to learn today. Yeah. When you don't have organic growth, and we don't have that right now, Apple controls the pipes, then investors will ask questions. Yeah. Because where are your customers going to come from? But in 2006 to 2008, even through the great financial crisis, people were just coming to see the wreckage. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to do an ad. People yeah. just, our traffic, people would sign up because the world was imploding and the internet was new. And, oh, my God, there's an app where I can talk about stocks 
people had time to explore because it was free. Yeah. Twitter didn't cost you money. LinkedIn didn't cost you money. YouTube didn't cost you money. It was that first point where like, we hate media and we didn't have to listen. That's yeah. when I turned off CNBC. StockTwits allowed me to turn off CNBC and it has for tens of thousands of other people, which are the joys of building that. But StockTwits wouldn't be around today if YouTube, AWS, App Store, Twitter didn't exist. Yeah. And those are some of the things that we as investors today have to think about. What are those platforms that drive that? The first sign here in 2023 is AI. No one's thinking through how much it costs the compute, how much they're losing per right. transact. Like every time you say, send me uh, an essay on the history of this into chat GPT, it's costing somebody. It's mm-hmm. not costing the student. It's not costing us to print that out. It's costing somebody who's storing, who's housing that compute. Yeah. So it's the first sign since Web 2, a sign of life, of organic growth. If you're excited by that, if you want to build on top of that, which we're seeing hundreds of decks and companies, oh, well, this is easy. We're offloading our costs to get growth because people are typing into a box. So it is good, but it ain't like Web 2. Yeah. Where every minute you woke up, there was hundreds of new apps. There was TechCrunch. There was TechMeme. There was Fred Wilson. There was all these venture capitalists with skills. The other thing is venture capitalists had skills because... They had gone through the 2000 crash and been lit up. So, so the fact that they were now getting their nerve back. Right. And survived. They survived. Well, a lot of them were just starting, okay. but a lot like the Fred Wilsons had survived. So, yeah. so, so they had some skill. They knew, and they were willing again to take this risk on non-revenue uh, businesses for getting profit yeah. to invest in Twitter at those values. So just for context of this era, 2007. Today, you know, Social Leverage looks at, or deals that we've passed on for the last two or three years. Founders in Web 3 and Web 2 were 20 million pre. StockTwits was 60 on 600. Really good idea, but obviously not a business, but a really good idea. Mm-hmm. 10% of my company for 60 grand. No, I wouldn't do that today. But, so today deals get down, we're getting down at 20. So imagine raising 2 million for StockTwits at a 20 million valuation on the same level of knowledge. I mean, that's what we were looking at in 2021. Yeah. And there was enough people still doing that, yes. And now we see in hindsight how easy it was. They were doing that 14 years after the boom had started. I do have a question just on the culture shift with StockTwits. Um, The whole meme stock mania that happened in 2020. Mm -hmm. Are you surprised that it took 12, 13-ish years for an event like that to occur? Because I feel like just when you start seeing this community get built, at some point you got to be thinking like, these, these folks are going to kind of rally together. Had a thought like that ever crossed your mind? No, it is the question, right? Because we started StockTwits thinking, fa- like Phasmobile came out of nowhere. I'd never heard of the ticker. Yeah. I didn't know that three-time leveraged tickers existed, right? I was just a straight stock guy. You know, Google, Apple, RIM, uh, energy stocks were big in 07, 08. Uh, YouTube got bought by Google, so Google was a thing. Mm-hmm. Facebook wasn't public. Twitter wasn't public, let alone even just getting going. So tech stocks back then, we didn't want to own Cisco because that was a pre It was a different world. It was yeah. banks and banks that were just about to implode. And housing stocks were just about to implode. So, so it was really interesting. You have this tech boom beginning while another boom was ending, meaning the housing and the banking crisis, right? Mm-hmm. Which is way bigger problem than what we have today. 
Today we have debt problems and other issues and deglobalization. But yeah, it, it's seeing how FAS took off. We just assumed, and our smart people around us, Andy Weissman, I remember Andy Weissman coming to me when he saw how we, we set up stock twits where the ticker was the celebrity. Yeah. So on Twitter, you would, you would talk, and there was, nothing, there was no button to click to follow a subject. It was just a straight stream. Our second hack, other than coming up with the dollar sign, was that when you came to StockTwits and you wanted to follow a ticker, the ticker was the object. So if you wanted to just follow Apple, you could click follow Apple. Yeah. And now that was like your community. And so that was a great hack. What it's worth, I don't know, but it was a great hack. And I remember Andy Weissman, who's a great investor of Web2, he's now at Union Square. He, uh, you know, as an investor from Betaworks in our company, said, that's genius. Like, to to tag the object and be able to follow an object. Right. Right. Because as an investor, that's the only thing you're cared about is, is the assets you own, right? Yeah, the things that you wanted to follow. Yeah. And Twitter had that with people. And this is many fights at Twitter over the years with many product managers I've talked about with many product managers have come and gone is how they would have done it differently if they had done a topic based. There was many apps being built to do all these things, but Twitter then closed down. You know, the next seminal moment for StockTwist is like post 08, 09 when Twitter just shut down their API. Yeah. So if you hadn't built StockTwits, it was gone. Mm-hmm. And... You know, right or wrong, we decided to raise the money to break outside of Twitter's gates. Um, so the signal we got is exactly what you're asking. When we saw FAS, we knew there was something. Right. There would be another FAS. Yeah. And you can't predict well, who's going to be the next yeah. FAS, but I knew a next FAS would exist. So that gave us the confidence to just say, let's go build separately because we can't predict the next FAS. Let's just be have the platform for when that comes. Now, if you told me it'd be 14 years... And 0% interest rate for Games, seven of them. GameStop and, GameStop and movie would theaters. be the final manifestation. And Davey Portnoy and President Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you had asked me to predict any of that, I would have predicted something would have happened in 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14. So those were like really grind years where all the energy in the world was focused on venture capital, seed stage investing, the Ubers, the Airbnbs, the public markets, everything was working, but the world's focus was on how do I get into startups? And and we were lucky. We were like part of that trend, but we never really had that moment until like 10, 12 years later, yeah. which was when Trump started tweeting in 2016. And then it took COVID and Robinhood and checks being mailed to people's homes and a pure panic of COVID to launch this coordinated, and that's what it was, right? You and yeah. I have talked about this. Coordinated strike. It was a coordinate. everybody clicking the same button that was attached to the same floor, to the same thing, with leverage probably using weekly options I'm on sure. Robinhood. Yeah. That created a, you know, we could talk about this, we'll end with this, but 12 years later, stock twits in the financial world exploded in innovation because of things that were built 10 years earlier, the, the Robinhood app, StockTwits, Reddit, Twitter. Yeah. Because people coordinated around a ticker and decided to all push the same button at the same time, which is really all that happened. Right. It was the first time this had happened with leverage in the middle of the night, right? It's a perfect storm. Without the hedge funds really understanding. So it was also the very first time that hedge funds have models. 
They have models for like, um, what do you call them? Standard deviation moves. They had never seen internet scale, right? Like mm-hmm. all their models got tested with GameStop because for decades, their models were against non-internet traffic ideas. They didn't understand. Their models could not at all fathom yeah. internet, Reddit. I mean, just a decade or two before, like most of the volume on the markets were- Came from CNBC, Bear Stearns. Or we're like going to cover Bear Stearns all traders, day. Like fo- floor traders. Floor traders. You know, like we just moved the floor to the cloud. And- we moved the floor distributed to everybody with a smartphone. And they, were, they could take their decision down to buy, sell, and leverage it with weekly options. And that's what broke the market. And so that is the story, how Robin had handled, how we all handled it is, you know, yeah. neither here nor there brands were made, brands were built, but that was a seminal moment, putting the money in people's accounts, click of a button, everybody pushing green or red at the exact same time. What's fascinating is people think that will happen again. And of course that's not what's happened since, mm-hmm. right? There's been moments with DWAC, like Trump's back. Yeah. And, and what's fun about Stockton's is we were right. Yeah. You know, forgetting profits, forgetting, you know, all the problems along the way. We were right that you can't predict what's going to happen. And we were right about the world getting excited about this. We were right about this trend towards, you know, young people being interested in the markets. We were right about the object, which is the ticker, and that people like to do this themselves. Um, so directionally, we got all this right. The timing, what people have to learn is, you know, when they build companies is like, it never happens on a timeline <laughs> that you want. Right. And yeah. there were many innovations along the way that we just couldn't foresee, but hopefully that helps Knut, with like how it started. You know, it was a small group of us, Chris Soren and myself, yep. uh, Soren brought in Chris. There was Phil Perlman. You know, beloved Phil Perlman, who's gone insane, right? He he weighs eleven pounds and talks to himself in a corner of his he's house. Absolutely <laughs> jacked. He's he's now health conscious and like Phil's the man. So <laughs> Phil ran community. Community the early days of this were funny, right? We were were we a media company, were we a tech company? We didn't know how this the structure of the internet was changing. Um and the rules of, of the game in 2006 to 2020 were raise money, put as many engineers on this as possible. The colors of your site actually don't matter. The name of your company probably doesn't matter. Can you get millions of people to mm-hmm. click a button was the game. Yeah. And guess what? There is now a new game, which is we're all working through what this new game is, but it ain't that game. Yeah. Because that game was played. And it ain't happening over and over. If it happened once, it hasn't doesn't happen every day. Remember everybody said, let's go on Reddit and we'll just make money every day by corralling find, around the find name. Find the next stock. How quickly did that go away? So that's a beautiful thing about the markets, which fascinates me, this next version. I'm in stock, which is if I had predicted that I'd be still own the company 15 years after starting it, there is no way with the name and the colors and what we knew about starting a company that we thought we'd still be in control of stock twits. It still boggles my mind because I don't know if I would start a company and young people should think about this or anybody, you know, the guy who started McDonald's started his company when he was 50. Yeah. Right. Like I'm 57. You know, I can't imagine starting a multi-billion dollar company in my mid fifties. Luckily I don't have to, but like 
back then, Canute, when we were thinking about this, we didn't think 15 years later we'd still be talking about this stuff, right? <laughs> how many different, before we go, how many different color iterations did you go through? What's today? Well, we got like the blues and the blacks. Yeah, we're very blue, black, white. Yeah. White became a thing. Neutral. Neutral. Um, you know, I don't know. It went, I think it was just basically that little bit more red, less yellow. And then we've never gone to the colors of the market, you know, the greens and the blacks. Yeah. I think you can put that together today, but we've stuck with it. I've never liked the name, you know, <laughs> and we've had hundreds of meetings over the years. I don't know. How do you feel about the name? I'm indifferent. I, I don't love it, but like it's, it's had standing power. Like yeah, it's standing power. People know I get yeah. stopped all the time. Love stock. What, can you? Well, I obviously never understood what it meant. Right. But, you know, it was, just a, it was a play on word. It was a play on word. It was six bucks. Right. And I think that is still to this day important what it should mean something. But we never thought it would be around. You don't come up with a name like that and think you're four years. That's still your business. But four years later, five years later, it's tough to change a name. Yeah. Right. Especially if you don't have something better. Well, marketing costs money. And SEO. To do a big and, like marketing push like yeah, that. Yeah. And so anyways, that is an or anything that I think I've missed, Canute, or does that give you a good explanation of that? Yeah, I enjoyed that. It was a very different era, but money was the game. And I think this new era is more about the craft and about less money. Who is your customer? If someone's not asking you how, what your margins are and how you're going to make money and where you're going to get your users from, they're not good investors. And back then... They were good investors not to ask that question. They wouldn't have got an answer they liked and yeah. they would have said no and they would have missed out on massive riches. If you're not asking that question today, you're going to get involved in massive losses is my opinion. And that is a huge switch. Now, AI may help, but AI has a big problem. It's costing somebody fortunes to do this. And now Microsoft's coming in and putting up. To so there are signs that this stuff is happening. Canute, am I missing anything? No, I don't think so. I think you pretty much covered it. Thank All right, you. so there you have Howard rambling into his microphone, an origin story. Um, we're proud of it. You know, I was talking to Phil the other day. You're involved still. Like, there's just Rishi. There's just a lot of friends involved. A lot of new people now. I wouldn't know all the 50 or 60 people there. I don't know if we would have met Howard without StockTwits. You were at JC now? We wouldn't have I was met? with JC, but I got connected with Sean McLaughlin. Via a, a stock twits meetup group. Yeah. We tried everything. Sean's a great guy. Right. There's JC. What a community. Great community. Still is. We're still right. Uh, Ethan is interning here. He was on the on a Zoom call yesterday with JC and with Phil. And it's just like. Oh, did you get a word in edgewise? We, he didn't. He's 22. But we all did. And nothing happened. This call was about nothing. We had an agenda and we just hung up after about 40 minutes. I was going to say, minutes. anytime you put you three in the room, it's. <laughs> Ethan saw it for the first time yesterday. It's magic. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty magic. It's nice to see everybody successful from that era. You know, I still. Yesterday I got a ping from Upside Trader. Do you remember up Joe Donahue? Oh, yeah. Out of the blue. He's fought cancer. You know, he, he had started a hedge fund with Todd Stoudemire. And who was right. a friend of mine at the time in Phoenix and Todd was getting, it was working at Merrill and then got into stock twits and was an investor, you know, as a pitcher in the world series. Like we had all kinds of characters and he, he pinged me the other day that he, after like eight or nine years, he was just, you know, he'd recovered from cancer. He's just kids were out of the house, missed the social media. 
and he still trades and he's back on stuff. Like he hadn't said a word in eight years. <laughs> Sends me an email. Hey man, love you. Uh, I just posted a couple uh, tweets. Um, you know, back having fun in the market. And it's just like that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, we're, we're still reliable. Maybe that's not cool. Maybe that's just really a sad thing. I know. I think that's got to warm your heart. Yeah, it was nice because I don't even like them. <laughs> and no, I'm kidding. And uh, you lose track of people and there's this home that they can show up to. And they're like, it's like tapping the mic. And they're like, is anybody home? And sadly, I'm around. Uh, I'm <laughs> Howard's not ra- always home. What's amazing today is how many emails I still get from people. Hey, can I come? Hey, I got kicked off. Or, hey, man, this doesn't work. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm 57. Like, right. is there not instructions Forward on the site? Forward them all to Tommy. Right. I do. Everything Poor going Tommy. to Tommy. <laughs> so, anyways, that is enough. Uh, hopefully, people enjoy this origin story. If you want to hear other origin stories from companies that really affected you in Web2, hit us up. We're one degree away from getting some of these founders. Remember, Foursquare, I'm thinking of having Dennis on. I'm trying to decide if I pick companies that exist today or companies that flamed out. Like, what do you think? I think both would be cool. Flameouts would be fun. Do you but know, what, people do you won't know understand anyone my MySpace, though? I think that'd be a fascinating Well, I know Tom. Story. Yeah. He's living the good life, and he's that'd back be on a, Twitter. That'd be a fun story. Right. Yeah, that would be a fun story. I think people don't, you know, there's the, um, the podcast, uh, How I Built This, but I never liked it. Because I feel it's a little bit, you know, it's cool, but, uh, and it, it's definitely a hit, but I think there's a version of it more around. I've always thought it's a little it? formal for me. It's a little formal. Yeah. And um, it's a little too nice. You know what I mean? Like, you want to hear the mix ups, and, you know, Twitter was not nice. Yeah. Now, I understand this in hindsight, right? They had a lot of employees, they didn't give a fuck about StockTwits or Bitly or TweetDeck. And the higher powers are dropping the rules and change. It's still happening at Twitter. They just cut off all the third-party apps. I mean, I don't know why you'd still be relying on that as a business, but like Elon, like if you're still hanging around waiting for that, there's something wrong with you. But like there were such major fights about this. Lives were like in, you know, there were so many nights I couldn't sleep, just worried about some employee at Twitter just switching a switch. And, you know, the real lesson is, there was a couple lessons, Fred, like, don't be someone's bitch. And people should remember that with AI. If you don't own the pipes, you should be questioning if you have a business. Yeah. Anyways, you are listening to, thanks, thanks, uh, guys, for doing that, Knut. And uh, what's your name? Riley. <laughs> you need to eat. I do. Knut, do we have any carbs in here? Yeah. So you are, you are listening to Panic with Friends. Uh, this was an origin story. We've now covered Wall Strip and StockTwits. I think I'm inspired because I'm starting a few other things right now. And we're growing the podcast and the blog. But uh, generally, we talk to founders, investors, venture capitalists, traders about um, trends in the markets, try and get a little bit step ahead. And uh, you can search Panic with Friends or my name, Howard Lindzen, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, uh, the internet, anywhere. Uh, go subscribe. Click the button. Subscribe. You will get this podcast once a week. Thanks, Knut. Thanks, Riley. Talk to everybody next week. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.